Hello, and welcome to the This Happened Today in History podcast. I am your host, Mr. Miller. This podcast will cover a number of topics that happened on this date in history. Please visit the podcast webpage at thishappentoday.buzzsprout.com. There you can download the notes page, which will help you organize the information, as well as develop your own ideas on how these events change the world around us. If you're interested in hearing more, please consider subscribing so you will not miss out on what happens tomorrow in history. Today is May 3rd. Dallas was a television phenomenon during its 14-season run on CBS, but all good things must come to an end. Dallas ended its spectacular run with a very special two-part episode that aired its final installment on May 3, 1991, bringing it close to one of the most iconic television series of all time. Dallas followed the dramatic saga of the Ewings, a family of Texas oil tycoons who have been long been at odds with the Barnes. And a plot borrowed from Romeo and Juliet, the show began with a five-part miniseries in 1978 in which Barnes' heir, Pamela Barnes, married Ewing's son, Bobby Ewing. The show's drama often set them as virtuous characters against Bobby's brother, J.R., and his alcoholic, unfaithful wife, Sue Ellen Ewing. The result was TV gold. By the time the show closed in 1991, many of the original stars had departed, but tension between J.R. and Bobby was still a prime driving force of the show. The final episode, titled Conundrum, aired in two parts, and it features J.R. getting his com- comeuppance after 14 seasons of his villainous ways finally come back to him. Defeated in every aspect of his life, personally and professionally, the episode begins with J.R. drinking and holding a gun, contemplating taking his own life. A spirit appears, and in, sort, in a story that draws from the classic film It's a Wonderful Life, he guides J.R. through the years, showing him what life could have been like for the people around him if he had never been born. But in a dark twist, instead of encouraging him, he shows him that the virtually any, everyone he's touched would have been better off if he had never existed. The episode ends on a classic Dallas cliffhanger as the camera pulls away from J.R. to Bobby, who has entered the house unknown to his brother. Viewers hear a shot go off, and when Bobby rushes to see what happened, he exclaims, Oh my God! J.R.'s fate is left unanswered as the final credits roll on the long-running show. In subsequent Dallas reunion movies, it's revealed that J.R. merely shot the mirror where the spirit was talking to him. Hagman reprised his most famous role several times, including a 2012 reboot of Dallas for TNT. He was still playing his most iconic role when he died on November 23, 2012 at the age of 81 after battling throat cancer. Producers killed off J.R.'s character upon his death, giving him an elaborate send-off that culminated in the revelation that J.R. had taken his own life in a complicated plot to redeem himself by helping bring an end to the long-standing Ewing-Barnes feud. In 1968, the first heart transplant happened in the UK. It was the 10th in the world. It was done at the National Heart Hospital in London. It was performed by Donald Ross, who was funded by the BHF for further 20 years of surgical advances. The recipient was Fred West, 45, and the donor was Patrick Ryan, a building worker who had suffered a terrible head injury in a workplace accident, which he would not have survived. Even so, there were wild claims that Mr. Ryan was murdered for his heart. There was a media frenzy, and transplant surgeons found themselves on the front cover of Private Eye in June of 1968. Even some of the doctors involved felt uncomfortable about some aspects. Dr. Jane Somerville, who was a physician for the first transplant operation, later called the absolute horror of seeing the live patient without a heart in their chest, almost a revulsion. Donald Ross later said, We were excited about sewing in the heart, which is in fact, when you think about it technically, quite a simple plumbing job. Sir Keith Ross, another of the surgeons involved in the operation, later recalled, It was an intensely dramatic moment, I think, for everyone there, as it, 
the heart, went pink and then began to beat. One was aware very much, I think, that this was a historic moment and slightly unreal in the relative calm of the operating theater in the National Heart Hospital. Fred West survived for 45 days. After a spate of heart transplants in 1968-69, it became obvious that the survival rates were not getting any better. They were stopped in the UK and for the most part around the world until 1979 when Sir Terence performed the successful surgery on Keith Castle. When organ transplant was first developed, it was felt that it would only be a matter of time and probably just a few years before we could effectively alter the immune response and get the body to accept the transplant without the need for long-term immune suppression, said Gavin Pettigrew, a transplant surgeon at Addenbrooke's Hospital. That initial optimism has been tempered by lack of impact. This still remains the holy grail of immune suppression. Existing anti-rejection drugs come up with a number of problems. They have been have to be taken for the rest of your life, says Mr. Pettigrew. They, are, they cause side effects. They can carry an increased risk of infection, and you also increase the risk of cancer because a lot of cancers are destroyed in the early stages by the immune system. Immediate rejection is now relatively rare, but as Mr. Pettigrew explains, the problem is a long-term gradual deterioration of function. Most transplants don't last past 15 years. For most transplant recipients, it means the transplant will not last the rest of their life. We think of this as caused by the immune response against organ, even with anti-rejection drugs. If we could change that, we could give patients a better chance. Margaret Thatcher, the leader of the Conservative Party, became Britain's first female prime minister in 1979. The Oxford-educated chemist and lawyer took office the day after the Conservatives won a 44-seat majority in the general parliamentary elections. Margaret Roberts was born in Grantham, England in 1925. She was the first woman president of Oxford University Conservative Association and in 1950 ran for the parliament in Dartford. She was defeated but garnered an impressive number of votes in the, in the generally liberal district. In 1959, after marrying businessman Dennis Thatcher and later giving birth to twins, she was elected to parliament as a conservative for Finchley, a North London district. During the 1960s, she rose rapidly in the ranks of the Conservative Party and in 1967 joined the Shadow Cabinet sitting in opposition to Harold Wilson's ruling Labour Cabinet. With the victory of the Conservative Party under Edward Heath in 1970, Thatcher became Secretary of State for Education and Science. In 1974, the Labour Party returned to power and Thatcher served as a Joint Shadow Chancellor before replacing Edward Heath as the leader of the Conservative Party in 1975. She was the first woman to head the Conservatives. Under her leadership, the Conservative Party shifted further right in its politics, calling for privatization of national business industries and utilities and promising to resolute defense of Britain's interests abroad. She also sharply criticized Prime Minister James Callaghan's ineffectual handling of the chaotic labor strikes of 78 and 79. In March 1979, Callahan was defeated by a vote of no confidence, and on May 3rd, a general election gave Thatcher's Conservatives a majority in Parliament. The next day, Prime Minister Thatcher immediately set out about dismantling socialism in Britain. She privatized numerous industries, cut back government expenditures, and gradually reduced the rights of trade unions. In 1983, despite the worst unemployment figures for half a decade, Thatcher was re-elected to a second term, thanks largely to a decisive British victory in 1982 Falklands War with Argentina. In other foreign affairs, the Iron Lady presided over the orderly establishment of the independent Zimbabwe, in 1980 and took a hard stance against the Irish separatists in Northern Ireland. In October 1984, an Irish Republican army bomb exploded at the Conservative Party conference in Brighton. The Prime Minister narrowly escaped harm. 
1987, the upswing in the economy led to her election to a third term, but Thatcher soon alienated some members of her own party because of her poll tax policies and opposition to further British integration into the European community. In November 1990, she failed to receive a majority of the Conservative Party's annual vote for a selection of a leader. She withdrew her nomination, and John Major, the Chancellor of the Exchequer since 1989, was chosen as the Conservative leader. On November 28, Thatcher resigned as Prime Minister and was succeeded by Major Thatcher's Major. Thatcher's three consecutive terms in office marked the longest continuous tenure of British Prime Minister since 1827. In 1992, she was made a Baroness and took seat in the House of Lords. In later years, Thatcher worked as a consultant, served as the Chancellor of the College of William and Mary, and wrote her memoirs, as well as other books on politics. She continued to work in the Thatcher Foundation, which she created to foster the ideals of democracy, free trade, and cooperation among nations. Though she stopped appearing in public after suffering a series of small strokes in the early 2000s, her influence remained strong. In 2011, the former Prime Minister was the subject of an award-winning and controversial biographical film, The Iron Lady, which depicted her political rise and fall. Margaret Thatcher died on April 8, 2013, at the age of 87. You have been listening to the This Happened Today in History podcast. I thank you for listening, and I hope that you have enjoyed learning about historical events from the past. Thank you to the following websites for their information regarding today's topics. ThePeopleHistory.com the last Dallas episode shown on tasteofcountry.com. UK's first heart transplant at bhf.org.uk. And Margaret Thatcher becomes England's prime minister on history.com. The music used as the background track for this podcast is Americana, created by Kevin McLeod on incompetech.com. If you enjoyed this information and would like to hear more, please consider subscribing as this will keep the historical events in your feed in the morning for each day. I hope you have a great day.